Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Uh, Kirk Herbstreit is here. Yeah, should be. <laughs> and uh, we're trying to get them all set, settled in. I'm assuming you don't have to do your own engineering when you're out no, doing a game. No, but I did local radio for 15 years, so I'm all about this. You're good. Yeah. That's good. We used to be outside of grocery stores, delay, like a four-second delay. Oh, yeah. And your headset. Sure. So I, I remember. Yeah. But this is perfect. Yeah, welcome. Thanks for being on with us. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, happy to. So there's hope for us. He used to be just yeah. like us. Uh, yeah. Who knows yeah, what we'd have turned into. I did it forever. I think it's a little late for us now. <laughs> I think we're stuck here. It's all right. Um so I, I started reading your book, and uh, I'm going to beg you for an autograph later, but uh, I, I'm embarrassed that I didn't get an earlier start. But it's interesting. I mean, you obviously didn't have a lot of choices when it came to loving Ohio State. You right, came by it right. honestly. And your dad, I mean, I don't know how many guys had the opportunity to coach under Woody Hayes and Bo Schembechler, but I'm guessing that's a short list. Yeah, yeah. My dad, um, you know, he, he was kind of a an – it's a funny story. I just bumped into somebody who played – with my dad uh, back in Cincinnati, and he waited here just to, to meet me and just brought back memories. My dad didn't have any scholarship offers, and then he went to uh, the state championship for baseball. And imagine he wore his track uniform underneath his, his baseball uniform, and they won the first game in the semifinals with a pitcher named Claude Osteen who went and played in the majors for like 15 years. And then they got a golf cart, took him over to Ohio Stadium, and then he ran 100 meters came back and then put his baseball uniform back on and Woody Hayes saw him run the 100 and offered him a scholarship just based on him running in the 100 so that's how he got his opportunity and, and then from that point on we were we were Ohio State people yeah, yeah. for those of us who've not been part of the rivalry give me give me the perspective um, I, I really think you know my dad played 57 to 60 and it, it's always been big probably you know like the rivalries here you know, when I grew up Arkansas and Texas was a big rivalry sure. um, and and I think for Ohio State, it changed when Woody Hayes and, and Bo had that 10-year war. And I think it almost went to a different stratosphere um, because of what was at stake when they played. I mean, you're looking at it. In those days, they used to call it the Big Two and Little Eight because every year, it would whoever won that game was going to go to the Rose Bowl. And that's like here, you're going to go to the Sugar Bowl, you know. And, and uh, to me, that was – or the Cotton Bowl, I guess, going way back. But – that, 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 I think, took it to a different stratosphere. In the old days, like when I played, it was more of respect. It was more of um, kind of honor, and you want to kill each other during that game. But after the game or before the game, there was kind of a mutual admiration because everybody got recruited to go to those two schools, and it came down to some went to Ohio State and some went to Michigan, but everyone knew each other. Mm-hmm. Now it's so different with the Internet and social media and the disrespect that is just everywhere. I just don't feel like it's the same. Um, I just don't feel like they view it the same way. Like when I when I got done, if I bumped into a guy from Indiana, I'd be like like Trent Green who played quarterback. I'd be like, "Hey, what's up, Trent?" But if I bumped into a guy from Michigan ten or fifteen years later, I, there was like almost like I played with him kind of reaction mm-hmm. because of the mutual respect. And I, I I think it it's everything's changed in the world, but I think it's more disrespectful today than it used to be. Let's uh, bring you closer to home for us. Get your thoughts on Arkansas. Obviously, expectations are high around here. I mean, people are talking like maybe a 10-win season, which is a tall order with the schedule they have. Yeah, that, 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 that's the thing. I mean, you're in the third year now with Sam Pittman, and, and you know, everybody just assumes, and I, I do too, that anytime, you, okay, well, you you won nine last year. Let's go. We're going up another notch, mm-hmm. you know, and obviously it doesn't always work like that. And when you just hit on a big thing is it's not only are you a better team, it's – 
the schedule, um, and I don't have it memorized in front of me, but I know not only are you dealing with the SEC West, but you also have a trip to Provo, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the middle of that. Uh, you're playing Cincinnati. I mean, those are games that are not – those are like bonus round games when you live in the SEC West. Mm-hmm. And so they might be – I think they will be a better team. I mean, you've got a great nucleus on offense. I'm interested to see how they, how they do on defense because they lost so many great players, especially at that second level. Um, but they've recruited well. So I, I'm not saying that they just – they won't be as experienced. But they got to hit the ground running. they got some big games, you know, within the first month of the season. But I love Sam Pittman. I mean, I'm sure you guys do too. I mean, he, his – very, very unorthodox style and how he coaches, how he does interviews. Very refreshing to me because it's almost like what you see is, is what you get. Right. And he he's an offensive line coach. How often do you see offensive line coaches become head coaches? It doesn't happen very often. So there's just something for me that uh, is very endearing. And so I, I think he's legit. I think he, he knows how to me great coaches know how to if you're not ohio state alabama or whatever you need to know your niche like you need to, who are we you need to recruit to that niche and that becomes your identity i feel like he knows who he is he knows who his team is and i feel like as every recruiting class that's going to come in one after another after another is just going to continue to create a more solid foundation so you're going to lose some great players but i think they'll they'll do a good job of bringing them back in but this year with that schedule I, I, if they got to nine again, that yeah. would be a hell of a year. Yeah. Talking to Kirk Herbstreit for just tuning in here at the uh, Little Rock Touchdown Club, brought to you by Arkansas Urology. You were a bigger quarterback. I, f- I chuckled at the story about you being a high school quarterback and being bigger than all your offensive yeah. linemen. Yeah. Uh, obviously worked out okay, but uh, KJ's obviously a sizable guy, too. Yeah. What do you like about him, and what do you want to see? We were talking about what's his next step, what's his progression for this year. Well, I, ironically, I uh, as you say that, I pictured game day was at in Athens. And I call. It was a noon kick, noon Eastern, and I called the game. So we did game day, and then it was one of those rare occasions where I stayed and I called the game. And the game got sideways. I mean, literally within two series, mm-hmm. it was like doing a national broadcast. You're like, all right, let's see, what else are we <laughs> going to talk about here today? That's so what we were thinking just, too. You know, and I'm, I'm sure you felt that. And it, but it, they, I think that was misleading because of. But it, it gets me to what K, KJ first time he has the ball. They're inside like their own five or ten yard line place i went to a lot of stadiums last year there was something rarely to hear noon kick that loud mm-hmm. it was like a feeding friend alabama could have come in there and they would have had a hard day i mean it was just one of those days and so i think experiencing that for kj everything from that point on will be easier <clears throat> easier for him i bet if we interviewed him we were sitting here talking and we asked him about that game and then the rest of the year I bet he, that game was fast forward. I mean, and by the way, that's one of the historically best defenses with that home crowd. So I like that he went through that. It wasn't fun that day, but I think it'll make him a better player this year, a better leader. There's nothing he'll see this year that'll come close to what he saw that game. And because he lived through it, he kept fighting. Um, I think there's real growth there. But as far as his physical dimensions, I love the offense that they run. Now, you don't have Traylon Burks on the outside, so who's going to become their go-to guy? They're going to have to find some people on the perimeter. But uh, that's a great place to start. The offensive line, the running backs, and K.J. Jefferson, there's a lot there. We were talking about how it's all getting started for us this week, how crazy our schedule's about to be. How crazy is your schedule and and your life going to be in the next Man. four or five months. I, I just did a practice game in Los Angeles because I've got this new Amazon uh, thing I'm doing on Thursday nights, and we just did a game at SoFi that wasn't on uh, Amazon Prime. 
it was just Al Michaels, myself, and, and our, our crew. And it was really cool to just kind of work out the kinks with the producer. And we just we went through some of the motions of that. And now this week we have a game on Thursday night with the Texans and the 49ers will actually be on the air. So I go to Houston, I think, tomorrow. And I'll be there till, uh, till the game's over on, on a Thursday night. And this is, a, this is like a slow week because once I get going, it'll be – Thursday night game, game day, three-hour studio show, and then Saturday night. And a lot of, like, second week of the season, game day will be in Austin for Alabama at Texas. And then I fly to Palo Alto right after game day to do uh, Notre, or US, or USC Stanford. And then i got to fly home because the next week I have the Chiefs and the Chargers. So it'll, it's going to just be – it's going to be a whirlwind. It's going to be a four-month sprint, basically, yeah. Do you know how many nights you'll stay at home? I'm hoping I'll be home Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. That's the goal. If I can get three days out of the week, that'd be a win. And your kids are playing? Yeah. yeah. What's, what's the ages now? Uh, I have a senior still left at, uh, as a preferred walk-on at Clemson. I have a redshirt freshman at Ohio State. And then I have a sophomore in high school okay. who's playing, yeah. Yeah, tough tough to get to all that, I suppose. Yeah, it's, yeah it's very difficult. hard. Yeah. Um, so as far as the SEC goes, I mean, obviously you got your top two and Ohio State squeezed in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about the, the rest of the league? We, we've been talking for a little bit about teams that can maybe get in there. Kentucky's getting some love in the yeah. East and Arkansas and A&M in the West. Um, you know, I think, I think it's always, there's always going to be a surprise team. I'm sure you guys have done that, but you have callers to call in, try to figure out. I think LSU could be a surprise team this year. Hmm. I think people are kind of forgetting about them. I think people in this region maybe don't know who Brian Kelly is and what he can potentially do as a coach. Um, they've got to settle on a quarterback, and if they find some consistency there, it's LSU, and we know how they recruit. So they're always going to have talent. I wouldn't be shocked if they were a little bit better than people think. Everyone's talking Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Arkansas. It's kind of like those teams that can pull off a surprise. Kentucky's getting – Kentucky feels like one of those teams, and I love Mark. He's a good buddy of mine. I like Kentucky when nobody's talking about them. I don't think Kentucky handles, you're going to win 10 this year. You're going to beat Georgia. I don't think they typically uh, handle that well. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they have enough experience where they can, but they're getting a lot of love. I think Tennessee is the team to look out for in the East. They're going to score a lot of points, you know. And they're, they're with Hendon Hooker. They're going to score forty a game, kind of team. Mm-hmm. And anytime, as you guys know, you can score like that in the, today's modern era of football. You got a shot to upset some people. So I would look out for Tennessee and LSU would be my two like beyond the obvious who to, who to look out for. How do you feel about what's happening with the transition in college football? You know, Arkansas bringing in or not Arkansas, the SEC bringing in Texas, Oklahoma, and then obviously what's happening with the Big Ten. Not a, I'm not. I'm not. Um, completely closing my mind to say this is terrible i i'm a traditionalist i'm at the same time trying to be open-minded to everything transfer portal nil realignment the future of wherever we're going to be in two or three or four years i feel like all this is going it's all about 2026 that's why i don't think anybody's going to be in a hurry because eventually we're going to get to 2026 we'll have a new playoff we'll probably have 20 teams in the sec and 20 teams in the Big Ten. Who knows what's left of the Pac-12, Big 12, and the ACC. But I do feel that that's where we're heading. I think we'll probably end up with 60 teams, roughly, that will be in this this new college football playoff division. Um, As far as the NIL, I'm not a big fan of recruiting and bribing players to get them to go to your school. I hope we can do away with that. I have no issue with K.J. Jefferson if he's able to – 
work out a deal or Bryce Young or you know players who have established a brand. That's the that's the marketplace. That's where we are. Mm-hmm. Go for it. I know. But to take a high school kid out of California and pay him eight million million dollars to go to your school, I think that's insane. And I think poaching players from Arkansas State or Southern Miss or taking guys who are all American, a right? Well, we need a right guard. Uh, let's see. Oh, Arkansas State has a right guard. We'll go take him. That, that's ridiculous as well. So I'm not a fan of that. Um, so I hope they're able. I don't know who. I don't even know who the bosses are. I mean, you have Greg Sankey who runs the SEC. You have Kevin Warren who runs the Big Ten. The NCAA is kind of washed their hands after uh, Brett Kavanaugh kind of scolded them. Mm-hmm. So they've kind of backed out. So we have bosses, but they're they're regional. You know, it'd be like Roger Goodell being the commissioner of the AFC South, and then you being in charge of the NFC. I mean, we have like whatever it would be eight, eight or nine. Uh, commissioners of the NFL. You imagine mm-hmm. the chaos that you would have if yeah. everybody had their own rules and everybody doing their own thing. It wouldn't work. You know, the NFL is Roger Goodell, and he's he's the guy. And they have the NFLPA. I really love to see us get to that. You know, whether it's Greg Sankey or it's Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State. Somebody needs to be the voice of the sport because when we were all younger, you guys. It was the Sugar Bowl. The SEC was all about the Sugar Bowl. Mm-hmm. And the Big Ten didn't even know what was going on in the SEC. And you guys didn't even know what was going to go on. Other than the Outback Bowl and the Citrus Bowl, nobody cared about what was happening. Well, now we're all in the same pool. So the model doesn't work anymore where we have these different conference commissioners worrying about their own constituents. We, we need that, but we also need somebody over them that then is going to make decisions for the entire nation. Because right now... And I don't blame them, by the way. If I'm Greg Sankey, I'm worried about my presidents, my chancellors, my coaches, my ADs, my players, my fans. I get it. But how does that help the Pac-12? So we got a real problem because we don't have leadership right now that's looking at after the entire sport. Yeah. Um, Wes had a question about this already. I want to follow up on kind of a bandwidth question about preparation for a full yeah. football game, an NFL game, a college game, not to mention game day, which has got to be a ridiculous undertaking as well. <laughs> yeah. How do you schedule that out? What kind of time are we talking about here for a week? Well, I'm, I, I try to prioritize, like all of you, like my wife and my, my kids. I have one son left at the house. So um, I, I always have tried to make that. Like if my kids are around or they have an activity, I try to, even in the fall, try to make that first and foremost. But if I'm not doing that, I literally the only hobby, the only thing I do is prepare for football. You know, whether I'm talking to a coach, a player, a producer, I'm on the air. Um, this is, it's all I do. And so if I'm awake and I'm not with my wife or my, my son, um, I'm on the phone or I'm, I'm watching film or it's just, it's the only way I'm, I'm hypersensitive to being unprepared. So I over-prepare. I'll prepare a hundred percent for this game Thursday night that I'm doing. Like I'm a little bit like this right now. Right. I mean, I'm happy to be here, but I'm a little, real excited to get home so I can start preparing and I will, I will prepare for a hundred percent and I'll use 15 or 20 percent mm-hmm. you know i would never prepare 15 or 20 percent and then go into a broadcast so i i have to over prepare and then it gives me such peace and confidence when i go on the air and i do that for thursday night and i'll do that for game day and i'll do that for saturday night so to get there you can't even count the hours that it takes like i said if i'm awake i'm i'm preparing tell me about the book out of the pocket um was that your idea? Did somebody come and say, hey, you really should write Gene, a book? Yeah, yeah Gene Wojciechowski, who, who wrote the book, he approached me maybe April or May of 20, right right when COVID was 
becoming like what's happening. Groceries are being shipped to your house. People are wiping them off. He he called me and said, hey, I've got a few other projects I might do. But I want to he's asked me before to write a book. And I'm always like, I don't have anything to say. I mean, what, what do I want to write a book about? And then he's heard me talk about the football. You know, it's it's football fatherhood and, and college game day Saturdays. But it has probably as much to do with, you know, my relationship with my dad and then my relationship with my four boys. So if you're not a football fan, there's football in it. There's broadcasting, my journey in broadcasting in it. But it's really more about the sport of football and what it has meant to me and my family and um, and the relationships. And so, some's good and some's not. You know, yeah. I, I went through you know a lot of stuff like we all do. It's not a how-to book. It's more of just my journey. Yeah. And I think people, from feedback I've gotten, you know, they see you wearing a tie and looking like, you know, you've been at the country club your whole life. And then I think when they hear about how you really were raised, they, they, they're almost like, wow, I didn't, I, I'm very surprised by, you know, learning this about you. Mm-hmm. But it was hard. It was hard to be vulnerable. And, you know, I'm a shy guy, kind of an introverted guy. And to open up in a book is not the easiest thing to do. But um, I did the best I could. And, and I, I think people have enjoyed it. I'm curious, being a Big Ten, growing up in the Big Ten, now you got UCL, UCLA, USC, yeah. and there's talk today of Oregon reaching out. <clears throat> How's this all going to work? What do you think? How's the Big Ten, you know, grasp all this? Well, I think going back to what I said about trying to be open-minded, because if, you, if you're if you're just going to look at it like this makes no sense, like why? What is USC and UCLA or Oregon and Washington? How's this going to work? But I think you have to look at it like this is kind of, again, the, these conference commissioners are looking at revenue. They're looking in how can we help. You know, the conference signed a deal with Fox for $7 billion. Mm-hmm. You know, how do we do that? Can't do it with just Rutgers and Maryland coming in. Let's go swing for the fences. Let's get Notre Dame. Let's Or try to get Notre Dame. Let's go get USC. And even all of our brains are like, wait a second, yeah. Big Ten? Like, why are you bringing somebody from the West Coast? But that just shows you they don't care. You know, they they want that, they want the Los Angeles market because that that drives up their, their price. So I, it, nothing would happen. Anything could happen. No more surprises for me. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah. Want to throw Oregon in there? Throw them like, you know, Clemson. Maybe Clemson will join the Pac-12. Right? Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Because um, I think Greg Sankey's sitting back waiting to see what's the next move by Kevin Warren. Is Oregon going? Is Notre Dame going to stay independent? If Notre Dame goes, then he blows his whistle. Clemson, you know, whoever it is, Florida State. But right now he's just he. We learned about Greg Sankey in COVID. He's very patient. He's not going to panic. He's not going to, you know, people probably call your shows. You get on Twitter. You know, what's going on? He's the opposite of that. He just sits back. He lets everybody make all these crazy thoughts. And then he'll eventually, when things calm down, make it, which I think is a brilliant move. Mm-hmm. He'll, he's going he's gonna to position the SEC perfectly. It's going to be great. But I don't know when it will be. And as far as being a Big Ten guy, it is definitely strange. To see Oregon, potentially Oregon, but USC and UCLA now, you know USC at Illinois is a conference game. That's that's strange, right? Probably the most so excited. Yeah, it will be. Yeah. yeah, it will be. That's the way I'm trying to be. It's going to be fun. Yeah, Kirk, we got to let you go. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate okay. you coming by. Yeah, very much. You nice it. meeting you. you. Thank you. you.